Welcome to the Urban Engine Podcast, propelling ideas forward. Hey guys, welcome to the Urban Engine Podcast. This is our second episode. I'm here with Trey Sharp and Tony Everhart. Hey, what's up guys? Hey. All right, so today we got a couple cool topics we want to go through for you all. Uh, the first one is, is kind of talking about productivity on a daily basis, whether it's in your business or in your personal life there. Trey, do you want to kind of talk to us about what your productivity looks like? I mean, I feel like you still are the most productive of the three of us here. Like you have all of these things going on. You manage to, I mean, you manage them very well and, you know, you kind of wrap them all together. So I'd like to hear your secret. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think there's a few pieces of, of productivity. I, I think the most important piece is identifying the right things to, to do in the first place, right? You know, and I think that's probably what gets talked about the least when you go look for like productivity hacks or productivity tools or apps or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, if you want to really dig into that, I think the 4-Hour the Workweek, Tim Ferriss book, is a real good uh, a place to start. Um, but I, I think the, the, the core message there is that a lot of things get on your to-do list, your task list, and they're not that critical to do. So I think it's worth asking for the things on your list. What happens if I do this? What do I get out of it? What's the result, right? Be result-focused instead of just, you know, being able to check off boxes. And also ask, what happens if I don't do this? Because if there's, you know, nothing major happens if I don't do this, then uh, maybe it's not really worth doing at all, right? So, you know, I, th- I think that's uh, a, a really important thing to ask yourself because a lot of times the most important thing you could be doing isn't even on your to-do list yet. It's something proactive or it's being on offense instead of being on, on, on defense, which a lot of times our, our task list can turn into being on defense. But, um, you know, as far as kind of the, the tactical side mm-hmm. of it, um, you know, what, what I try to do, and, and I, I, I kind of borrowed this from Getting Things Done, the David Allen book, mm-hmm. um, I think that gets a little too dense if you really try to stick to his system exactly but there's a couple of principles there I think are really useful he has the idea of an inbox which is to capture like everything that comes up you think of you need to do right capture it somewhere in one place mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's like oh man someday I need to clean out the garage or it's like hey I've got this important business task I need to do this afternoon capture it all that gets it out of your head right because mm-hmm. we've all done the thing where you know, you're riding down the road or somewhere you can't take action on something or you wake up at two in the morning and then you're like, oh man, I got to remember to do. Well, and that's so so something. common for me is like right when I'm going to bed, all the things start coming into my brain. Oh, yes. And so worst. I'll be like, ah, oh, it's okay. I'll remember this tomorrow. But yeah. no, you won't. Like yeah. it's a very slim right. chance. So yeah, you're right. You do need to capture it. And like a lot of times I'll just grab my iPhone real quick by my bed, yep. open up notes and just jot a couple things down. That's that right. way it's out of my brain. I can stop thinking about it and I can't actually approach it the next day. So what does your inbox look like that you capture all these things? So, you know, right now I use uh, OmniFocus. Uh, I mean, okay. you could use anything you want, right? You use, there's Todoist, uh, there's all the Google and, and Apple reminders and all that sort of stuff. But um, So it's an app? Yeah, OmniFocus is an app. I, I bought it years ago. It's It was fairly expensive. I think it's 20 bucks or something on, on the iPhone. But... Um, but it's good. You, I've you heard can, great things about it. You can dictate to Siri, and then Siri will put stuff on your on your to do list too, which is handy. Uh, but yeah, I think capturing everything somewhere that's so important. And then the second step is to review all your tasks periodically, right? Like for me, I try to do a weekly review. Um, 
and just see where everything is, like see if I've missed anything. That's also the time, like go through your email inbox you posted recently, Matt, oh, yeah. about, you know, uh, kind of declaring inbox bankruptcy to get back to inbox zero, which we could talk about a little bit. But uh, uh, I, I, I try to do it on Friday afternoons, you know, and that's why people, you guys have probably at some point gotten some email from me responding to something from two weeks ago on Friday afternoon, and you're like, what is this guy doing, right? But I just think it gives me peace of mind going into the weekend to be like, I've got my hands on everything. I feel like I, you know, uh, know where all the moving pieces are. That's so. actually kind of similar to what Matt said about, you know, before going to bed at the night, getting mm-hmm. the to-do list out of your head. I mean, I find if, I, if I'm laying there in bed and I'm thinking about all the things that I didn't get done during the day or I still need to do, need to actually jot it down and get it out and then you're able to sleep. And it's the same for the weekend, right? Like if you can close out your week with a with clear transparency into the things that need to get done the following week or that you were successful at, at this week, um, it lets you kind of just live your life mm-hmm. a little bit in the meantime. And, and, and that's the big point that David Allen tries to make is he calls those things run around your head open loops mm-hmm. and they just pop up at the worst times, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the last thing you want to be able to be productive or creative. You know, the worst time that happens for me is in the middle of church. <laughs> it really does. No, Matt, it's you're not li- supposed to be thinking. I, I know, but it's every Sunday, and like, yeah. I don't know if it's just when the caffeine finally kicks in, but like, my mind just starts wandering, and I, I remember everything I'm supposed to do suddenly all at once, and I start like getting stressed out. I'm like, come on, I need to put this somewhere, like, start moving on these things, you know, and and, and that's where I, I think. Like part of that pr- being productive is having all those things in one place, like you talked about, like having that inbox where you can sort through it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have that master checklist, then you're just operating on a whim. And then, you know, like you said, being an entrepreneur, it's really easy to become reactionary. And you're just constantly putting out fires and reacting to things that are popping up rather than approaching this list of things you need to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, a lot of times I'll look at my to-do list and be like, yeah, I'm churning through this thing. And then I look at the scope of it and I'm like, you are doing the most basic things that are not important, <laughs> you know. Um, sometimes it's just action. I mean, sometimes I'm okay with just action because I need to get things done. Um, and other times I'm like, I need really productive, very focused, big picture action, you know. And, and so I, I, I'm still trying to learn my best way of doing that, you know. Do you have, is there a way that you keep track of your things that you need I'm to I'm terrible. Do? You just do it, right? Uh, yeah, well, so part of that is right, yes. I'm really big about, like, just doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was laughing the other day because the owner of my gym was like, yeah, we want to, you know, get some more T-shirts. She starts talking to me. I pull up my phone and start, like, getting this right now and looking up exactly. She's like, you don't have to do it right now. I'm like, but I don't think you understand. Like, if I do it right now, it's not on my list for later. Right. I don't want to procrastinate this thing. Like, I have enough things I've procrastinated down the road. Yeah. I can do this in five seconds now, but if I don't either put it on a list or do it right now, it's going to fall to the back of the line. And, and then, you know, I'm, I'm just creating this never-ending list. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a good rule I've heard is, hey, if something takes less than two minutes, it's not worth the overhead man, to put do it on it. your to-do list. Mm-hmm. Do it, do it mm-hmm. immediately, right? Yeah, and, and I'm really big on that, you know? And um, so as much as I say that I do procrastinate and whatnot, there's a lot of times where I get something done instantly. And I think that's the key to me being productive is that I do those things as much as possible um, because then I don't end up adding to this list that I'm already adding to. And it's, it's always going to be longer than it was the day before. So and if I can take those couple little things off immediately, man, it helps me tremendously. But as far as what my inbox is, I use sticky notes. I use... Like physical sticky notes. Like physical sticky <laughs> notes. And sometimes I will literally write it down, yeah. like if I'm thinking about it, and stick it to my laptop. 
and it will not come off my laptop till it's done. And yeah. it will drive me nuts that it's on my laptop. But <laughs> that's how I get myself to make sure that I get it done. Yeah. Or I will do it in, in notes in iPhone. And they've added some functionality where you can actually have little check marks. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I've wanted that for forever. Um, so now I can actually use that as a little bit more sophisticated sticky note mm -hmm. that I have a digital format of. I can't lose it. Um, but even though I say I can't lose it, it's not in your face all the time. Like it's not in your, your face. Laptop. It's not. Yep. It's not in your face all the time. And it's also easy if something else comes up that you want to save or copy to a note. Suddenly you put it down in notes, and they stay in chronological order. So the other ones at the top, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I do make a more active, uh, you know, point to go back and look at my notes and scroll back a couple days, just like I would my email inbox, just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. Because like I keep, you know, a list of hashtags in there. I keep like this you know, great rant I had the other day that I felt like was good information or, or a good quote, like I'll save those in there. Books that I wanna read, you know, I found myself the other night at our speaker series, like I always jot down the books that someone mentions if they're ones that I haven't heard of, make sure I keep a note of that. Mm -hmm. But then that to-do list is still floating in there, so I've gotta, I've gotta manage that. You know, and I think it's, impossible, it's important too that once you do go through that list, like it's not really important to have that anymore. Like I don't have to go back and like revel in my glory of completing it, I can just delete it. Right. Get it out of there, right. you know? And so that's helpful too, like less decluttering a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm probably the worst about decluttering in the past, but I'm becoming much better at it because clutter wrecks me on a productive stance. Yeah. 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 It really yeah. does. Oh, I can't concentrate. If there's clutter physically oh. around me, I'm not yeah. able to do anything until that is sort of through. I don't look at my desk right now. <laughs> 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 it might speak otherwise, but um, yeah. So to-do lists, right? I mean, I think that between the three of us, at least here, we have to-do lists. It's just a matter of where you post that to-do list, how you keep it in front of yourself to keep your, you know, ta your accountability for the tasks that you have to complete. Um, Matt, do you have any other productivity hacks that you use? Well, I know I've mentioned in the past, um, but I'm not sure on the podcast. You know, a big one for me has been using the MixMax plugin for Gmail because all my awesome. all my emails all my emails based on Gmail. Uh, you know, I use that as it's the app. I use it based on for all the companies and different emails. But, you know, and there's a lot of other ones out there too. I think Glenn mentioned he uses Inbox, um, which is a very similar app as MixMax. MixMax has just been the one that once I was introduced to, I fell in love with. Um, and on the productive side of things, for several reasons. One, you can have it remind you for emails that you send if there's not a, if there's a, not a follow-up or a reply to that email. Mm -hmm. So I actually have in the settings every single email that I send is scheduled to automatically follow up with me in two days if there's no reply. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of emails that don't require a reply, but I'm much more okay with quickly clearing out and marking red emails that don't require a reply in my inbox again than I am letting something slip through the cracks that I really need. And if there is a, an email that like, I know it's gonna take either longer to respond or that they might respond to with a couple questions, but I still need to follow up on in case you know that little bit of communication comes back and we send it again or whatever, it slips through the cracks. I will set a reply regardless. You can actually, before you send that email, click in it and set, regardless of whether there is a reply, remind me on X date. Mm -hmm. And you can even have like follow up on X date I on top that of that. All the time. And so that's tremendous for me because I, I mean, emails is probably my, my single worst point of, was my single worst point of communication before I used this plugin. And now it's really my strength and where I base things around. So when someone walks up to me and says, hey Matt, I need you to do this, or yeah, uh, this is kind of what I was thinking. I say, can you send that to me in an email? Because I know that I'm not gonna lose it. I can either go in, when I reply to them, it will remind me again, mm -hmm. or Mixmax has this great thing too, which helps with inbox zero and getting all those emails out of your inbox, 
or when you open it, you can hit remind and it remind in two hours, four hours, a day, a week, whatever. And so if it's you know something I need to get done today, I'll just set it for two or four more hours so it's out of my way, declutters my inbox a little bit, I can focus on what I need to get done right now and can spend time to get done right now, and then I can address this later in the evening time. So most often this comes in the form for me of like I have things on a Monday morning that need to be done on a Monday morning. So I'll scroll through those things and set the other things to remind me in say four hours. Mm-hmm. Because I know in four hours, more than likely, I'm going to be have gone to the gym, finished at the gym, and then when I leave the gym, I'm going to go back to that inbox. Mm-hmm. And those are things I can address in the evening time where I have no distractions, no one's bugging me, like stores are closed, and I can just sit there and get, you know, spend 30, 45 minutes at home before mm-hmm. I eat dinner and knock those things out. And it will take me so much less time doing that than doing it with interruptions, with other important priority tasks. And so that, that has significantly helped me. Yeah. And that goes back to what Trey was saying about knowing what needs to happen right now and what the return on doing it right now will be and then being able to filter out and schedule out the things that can wait, you know, whether they can wait four hours or four days or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, even with that plug-in too, there's the other things, the templates. So for like Apparel Lab, that those templates are great for initial inquiries. A lot of times uh, inquiries to like ask about, hey, I want to do a shirt, they come in the same, like, hey, I want to do a shirt, what's your price? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a loaded question. Like, how many do you want to do? What color? What's, what kind of shirt? You know, all of these things, when you need them by. Um, and then is your artwork ready? So I have a template set up that asks all these questions. Mm-hmm. And so I'll immediately just hit reply, click on that uh, reply template, and then I can, if they've told me a couple things already, I can pull those out of the template and just delete them real fast so I'm not asking the same question again, but it's but all there. It's all there. Yeah. And so it takes me 30 seconds or less to send that email reply to then get all the information I need rather than to have to remember all the things I need to ask every single time. So it speeds up the the reply to the customer and they're always like, wow, thanks for the quick reply. And I'm like, you're right, I'm on yeah. it. You know? <laughs> but I've just got that little hack that helps me so much. And it also, I mean, like I said, it, it, it holds me accountable too to make sure I don't forget things because I'm forgetful, you know? And so if I've got this one standard way of doing things and I can put that in a template like that it helps tremendously Mm -hmm. you know the same thing comes around to the holiday times of year when I'm asking vendors about Black Friday pricing I'll write up one template and then I'll use that template repeated over and over to go to each one with small tweaks based on personalizing certain things or or different questions I need to add into that email but adding or or detracting small things from a template is so much faster than rewriting the email over again and even copy and paste like Mm -hmm. it's better than copy and paste because Inevitably, you're going to hit some extra keys and something's going to be misspelled or, you know. Well, and I think, too, like it messes with the formatting in Gmail because you use Gmail yeah, as yeah. your email client. So, Suddenly, yeah. there's really large text in the middle of it. Or it's purple. Yeah, it's purple and that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then they know you've copied and pasted right, yeah, it. It's just you know, I want things to look uniform and professional. Yeah, so that plugin for me, I mean, has significantly improved the quality of my work life uh, for every company. Um, so I, I really highly recommend that. You know, two, I don't know that a lot of inboxes, I don't think that Gmail does it standard, and I may just be wrong, but groups of contacts, I don't yeah. know that there's a groups function in there. If there uh, is, I don't know how to use it well. I don't know. So I use I groups and Mixmax. Mixmax does that for right. me too, yeah. So like if I want to reply to my whole Absolute team or just my management team or the McDab board or, you know, you guys with Urban Engine, like I have those groups set up so that I can do it very easily. Um, and and that's, that's a time saver as well because... You know, it auto-populates emails pretty easily, but let's say that I, I left off one person because my mind just blanked, or mm-hmm. I misspelled your email, or, you know, you've recently changed emails, right? So then I'd use your old email, and then you mm-hmm. don't get the email. So that, that helps tremendously. Mm-hmm. So How about you, Trey? Any last-minute hacks, productivity hacks? Oh, man. That's, I mean, it's such a 
deep topic. There's a lot of other stuff we could get into there. Um, you know, I do think Matt hit on one thing um, productivity-wise. He was talking about kind of batching up his email and doing it before dinner. I think there's a lot of value in batching up your task, right? Because you kind of have a mental overhead of like shifting gears to, oh, I'm working on this project, mm-hmm. and now I'm bouncing over here to answer an email I just saw, you know, came in. So, you know, for me, I've turned off my email notifications on my phone, and, uh, you know, I batch up and, and look at it, deal with it all at one, because you can kind of get a head of steam, you know, and, and yeah. sit down and do it in 10, 20, 30 minutes, um, which is, I think, a lot more uh, effective than shifting gears continually during the day. So mm-hmm. uh, Matt saying that just made me think about, uh, that's definitely been a, been a big uh, time saver for me as well. So batching time, is that, do you mean yeah. blocking a time to do emails? Is that yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, like it could be the end of the day, lunch, first thing in the day, whatever, and mm-hmm. sit down and you know, you spend 10, 20 minutes and instead of like all day, oh man, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I heard a ding, so I gotta pop in there and then, you know, breaks up your train of thought on whatever else you're doing. Well, and if, if people know you operate that way, that's helpful too, because I don't know how many times I've like gotten an email and then someone, you know, either text me or phone call, did you get my email? And it's like, <laughs> well, why did you even send it if you were just yeah. going to send me another method of communication here? Like, we're just overlapping. Like, right. you know, I'm, I'm on it for emails pretty much. Like yeah. I check it like 11 times a day. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous, but you know, people just expect such rapid communication these days when you do have those things. So if you say like, hey guys, I don't keep my email notifications on. Like I check them at two and 10. Mm-hmm. And if you say that, I mean, that's great. I don't, I'm not that disciplined yet. You know, I know that Haiti Pippins from Sweat, she, you know, that's one of her things is like, she checks it twice a day. Yeah. I'm like, you are so incredibly disciplined. I'm that's not down great. it twice a day, but, but I, I, I do try to check it on my schedule instead of kind of just seeing something pop up and then getting sucked into, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah, and that's easy. You know, one of the other things I will mention real quick too before we kind of move on uh, productivity-wise is I use Siri a lot um, with my iPhone, and that's very helpful. Now, given a lot of times she cannot understand what in the world I'm saying, and it's really bad. But I, Have you found this getting better? They said it was supposed to get better. I mean, it, it seems to be fairly good these days, but, you know, you mentioned dictating to Siri. Mm-hmm. I use that to send emails, to send text messages, and, and anything where, I, like, my hands are not directly on my phone, plus I can speak way faster than I can type. Yep. So it might be one of those things where I need a reminder. I'll literally say, and I cover up my phone as I say this, hey Siri, remind me tomorrow at 2 p.m. to do X. Mm-hmm. And then she will set that reminder and I don't have to think about it again. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't also have to grab my phone, navigate to the app, open it up, set the time, set the day. I just told her everything and she did it for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's incredible. You know, and a lot of uh, a lot of like my employees laugh at me because we'll be in the middle of something and I'll be doing another task. Remember it, go ahead and say, Hey Siri, and then do that. And, uh, and there she goes. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and just go ahead and get that task done. The reminder, send the email, whatever the case may yep. be, text somebody. I mean, that's incredibly, uh, it helps me. I mean, tremendously with getting things done because it's, it's a little thing. Again, it's that, it's a small 10, 30 second things that could turn into a two minute thing that could end up you taking down a rabbit hole. You go to your email to send, suddenly you see something else that draws your attention. Oh, yeah. you might be urgent or important. Yeah. And you, yeah. Facebook, you're done. Involved, you're done. You're done. And it just completely cuts it off. So if I do that, I don't have to touch my phone. I don't have to get involved in anything else. I let her do the work for me. And it's a tremendous, like small time, personal digital assistant. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, I'll add the, <coughs> One thing I do to help with productivity, to keep me straight on the different things I have to worry about and manage the different stakeholders we have for our organization is um, theming my days. So Mondays are my office days. It's usually when I'll invite people to come in and talk with me if they want to, um, or to really go through office work. 
Um, I have a day for fundraising. I have a day for board development, program development, and general business development too. So as things come up or if I have an email that's going to take some time to reply to, I'll set my mix max reminder to remind yeah. me on the day that coincides with the theme for that day. Um, and it just kind of helps you keep on track on the theme for the day. And one day when I grow up, I'll be like that. <laughs> so. You just put it on your Gmail calendar, you color code it, and you look at it in the no. morning. Yeah, you no, can no, do no. it. Now. I'm not I that, believe I'm not in that you. person. <laughs> I will never color code, and like, there's just no way. I'm just, I just don't function like that. Yeah. You know, I, I think I do better with like a uh, an organized chaos, to be very honest with you. And really? that's why I do the things like the sticky notes. But then I also find myself like, I would say like randomly one out of every four or five days, I go on this spree of like cleaning. Like I might leave the gym and go home and like clean the entire kitchen, like look at all the undone, undone things, like get them all done really quick. And then yeah. that's just my thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like the post-it notes. I'll be like, I work at my like breakfast counter a lot with my laptop. And so like if I have post-it notes that are not on my laptop or like small notes, they're sitting to the side mm-hmm. and I'll just like be pulling things off the counter, like tossing them out. Nope. We got to organize this, get it clean. And I kind of start fresh. So I kind of wipe my slate about once a week, too. Yeah, and for our listeners out there, you might be interested to know that Matt must have been very productive lately because he has no uh, sticky notes on his laptop right now. <laughs> for the last three weeks, I mean, I have been on it. Yeah, like, crushing it. It has been another level of productivity, nice. and I am so thankful. That's cool. So I've kind of, I'm getting back in that zone, which is great. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, productivity is, like, crazy, you know, and it's so important to making sure that we GSD, um, but... You know, I think it's a good segue into there's always so much to do in life as an entrepreneur. Um, And so one of the things that we were planning to talk about today a little bit is the perception versus reality of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I mean, it's just a crazy ride. And, you know, there, there are so many things going on that so many people can't see from the surface. You know, I had someone tell me more recently, like, you know, you you handle all of this stuff extremely well. Like, I never really, you never really seem that stressed or overwhelmed. You never, like, really communicate it to me that much. You just, like, take it in stride. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's funny because that's not how I feel inside of my head, you know. <laughs> I'm glad that you think that, and I'm glad that I'm portraying that because I don't want to look like this stressed up, stressed out mess all the time, right? But, yeah, I mean, uh, cool. I'm, I'm glad that I'm taking it in stride. And, you know, uh, the same person shared a quote with me. Uh, that they found um, said, being an entrepreneur is like being a man riding a lion. People look at him and think, this guy's really got it together. He's brave. And the man riding the lion is thinking, how the hell did I get on a lion and how do I keep from getting eaten? (laughs) You know, and it's it's very true because we're just on this wild, untamed thing, like running through the day-to-days, like getting things done. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about the the speed of execution these days is the most important um, compared to the perfectionism um, and planning stages, right? Um, and so we've just got this untamed lion that we're just running through, and it's real easy to get out of control, right? Yeah. So can you ever tame it too? Like, does that ever happen? I, I don't. I really don't think it does. You know, from talking, it, it, you know, because you adjust to like if, if you become more successful, then you just become stressed about different things, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, um, you know, Urban Engines, an early stage uh, uh, nonprofit. You know, I'm in an early stage startup, and and early on, you're just kind of worried about, well, you know, how, how do I get to break even? How do I get to profitable? But then as soon as you're there, 
you're going to kind of scale up or bring more people in the organization. You're going to have a new set of goals. And then on to the next like, thing. Yeah. Then it's yeah. going to be like, oh, God, if I don't hit this next goal, you and know. And it's the personality of entre- like an entrepreneur. You yeah, know? It's so right. common to seek the next challenge. That's exactly right. So. Yeah. And I, and I think the, the other thing that's kind of different perception versus reality there is the different seasons you go through as an entrepreneur or in your business on whether it's a down season or up season. And sometimes those those up seasons are actually you know, more stressful than the down season or vice versa, you know, it it just, it changes. And so that's where, you know, people are like, man, you're, you know, I see all these new things from you. You're killing it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm I'm really struggling right now, but I am trying my ass off to do, you know. This is terrible, but it's so exciting and I'm going to do it, but I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you guys mentioned uh, last time you're like, you know, Trey, you said, Oh man, I feel like you're always launching a new initiative. And then I was laughing this week as I did kick off another initiative, you know. And it was like, maybe I am, but you know, I'm just trying action, you know, man, action, action, action. But and I think you know, that's probably the biggest thing that, that you know. It, it kind of reminds me of when I was young. I was really into playing music. I'd go see bands and stuff, and I'd see the band. And I'd be like, man, if I could be like those guys in the band, they're super cool, right? You know, and I, and I think there's kind of folks who look at entrepreneurs that way, right? But absolutely. But but being actually being that being the entrepreneur, it's tough. It's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, I, I hear Gary Vaynerchuk talk all the time about there's kind of some romance around entrepreneurship today where there wasn't maybe 10 or 15 mm-hmm. years ago, um, and and that's really good in, in some ways to bring people into it. But there's also kind of a downside to it of. If you don't really love it, like if you don't really want to like be out on that bleeding edge, taking the blows and taking the risk and, you know, just running wild, right? Like, uh, you know, you're not going to stick with it because mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it's hard, right? Um, and, you know, it's because it, 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 the future is never certain. You don't know what's going to happen next. You know, you, you make decisions based on what you think is going to happen or where you think you need to go. But... Life's not predictable, and certainly business is not predictable. You know, and you mentioned, do you think you ever really get out of that season or tame that lion? And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that you do, but, you know, I saw something posted, I think it was from CrossFit yesterday, talking about one of the box owners planning vision. And planning vision allowed her team to execute for a month while she went and left the business and took care of her mom when she was sick. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely think that's that's part of it as you do go along is, uh, communicating and getting those leaders within your organization to help with it, but mm-hmm. it's still a wide, wild ride, yeah. and it's not just going to be like untouched unless someone is the new CEO, right? And they're the ones with the vision of the organization moving forward, and you're just backseat, partial ownership. You're moving on to the next thing, or you're exiting from the business on mm-hmm. the day to day. But I mean, it's just tough. I, I think it's you know. You hear Tony Robbins talk about it a lot, and I think it's one of the seven habits. Uh, the begin with the end in mind, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. Hey, if I am really successful in whatever this thing is, I'm trying to build. What does that really look like mm-hmm. at the end? Mm-hmm. You know. And I kind of lost my train of thought there, but that's exactly where I was headed. Mm-hmm. What keeps me going when I'm in this tangled mess and like on the really tough times? is I think forward to 5, 10, maybe it's 100 years from now when I, I'm giving a speech talking about the hard days mm-hmm. and I'm talking about how much I struggled and how I came out of it. And that's what allows me to kind of persevere and like keep going with that wild, untamed lion and just you know keep, keep moving towards the end goal because I know I'm going to make it yeah. eventually. So, so what does success in entrepreneurship, you know, what is that? 
for you. I'm putting you on the spot. I want to know from Matt and Trey. I don't think I don't think there's an end goal ever. No, you don't. I mean, what are you trying to build something forever? Is it like? I mean, I think a lot of people when they think about building businesses, maybe the the success for them would be being able to have like a multi generational company, right? You know, something that they can hand down to their children, or maybe they just want to make a shit ton of money. Like they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want a boat. Yeah, so uh, strangely enough, you know, and I tell people this a lot, I don't care about money. I really don't. Like, mm-hmm. money doesn't really drive me. Now, I like to make money as far as, like, I need it to survive, and, like, I'm a competitive person, so I'm always going to try to make more. Yeah. I'm going to try to grow the business because I'm competitive, mm-hmm. but not because I care about money as a tangible thing. Like, it just doesn't matter. If I have $100,000 in my bank account or I have 32 cents, it doesn't really make or break me as a person, right? Because I know I can always make more of that somehow. As long as your bills are paid. As long, yeah, as long as, and you know, even then, it's not like I haven't been in a place where I've been behind on bills before mm-hmm. and had to figure out a way to make it up. Mm-hmm. Like, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know, just keep moving. For me, it's, it's, it's just always about accomplishment. And so there's not a dollar figure in my mind. There's not a, uh, I definitely don't actually want to pass my business on, I feel like. Uh, someday, or at least at this stage of my life, and I don't have kids yet, so it's maybe a little different mindset. But I, I, I always think that if I had this big business that I did successfully build, and I passed it along to a kid, there's a very small chance that it's going to work well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's not going to be butchered, and or they're going to become this spoiled, had it all, silver spoon fed <laughs> child. I mean, that that yeah. concerns me more than building something to give to them at this point in my life. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's it's just about achievement and accomplishment, and I feel like there's lily pads out there of businesses that I will do over time, and I don't even know what those look like yet, yeah. um, and I'm going to keep building and doing these things. Now, when I first began, I thought, okay, hey, I'm going to turn Absolute Nutrition into the new GNC. Mm-hmm. We're going to take over, and you know that was my mindset for several years, and then I was like, wow, multi- multiple places is a heck of a lot more work. I don't have the skill set for this huge organizational structure right now to build this huge thing and that bloated like meetings all the time company that I always used to laugh at is who I'm going to become if I continue down this path how do I change that Mm -hmm. and so shifting focus a couple years later you know I've become within Urban Engine around a lot of other entrepreneurs of different strengths and so many that have been in a business and sold it and that was like a new concept to me like I never even entertained that idea before of like selling a business yeah and over time it's kind of like it's become this thing that I've really given some thought and I'm like, you know, that would be cool to like build it, sell it, and then go on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And, and Brandon Cruz and I were just talking about this yesterday, like the, the beginning part's always exciting. Like you have energy, you're ready to build it, you're ready to grow, blah, blah, blah. At some point it becomes stagnant. You know, and being in my business almost 10 years now, it's, it's tough. It, it requires a different skill set than just the first year or two when you're really building it. Because you have energy, it's exciting, there's, there's new challenges every day, but you're ready to jump over them. Five years down the road, you're like, why can I get past these challenges already? Like, I don't want to do this again, yeah. you know? And so it, it just changes things. So mm-hmm. that I don't really know what that looks like for me, to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, remaining in the space with some business, like, it is what I enjoy. I, I do see myself at some point trying to help other entrepreneurs instead of just myself mm-hmm. as a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm terrible about, like, wanting to monetize that kind of thing because I just want to help everybody. Um, but at some point... I've got to realize that I've got a valuable skill set I've built through all these failures through the years and that that, co- that education cost me a lot of money right. and that I've got to put that to work at some point. Mm-hmm. And I've also got to have someone else that values that education that I have from experience mm-hmm. um, 
to want to pay me to do that for them. But I want to do it where their return is always higher. You know, and that's that's the thing that you see so many business coaches and so many always get mad at advertising. They come in and they're like, oh, it's this. And you look at this, you know, crazy expensive advertising campaign and you're like, how am I ever going to make money on that? And they right. can never guarantee it for you, right? Right. But I feel like I'm building this skill set that when I dig in and I'm only going to accept what I know I can dig in on, then I'm, I'm going, you're going to see a return. Like, I'm not going to charge you $5,000 and then you barely increase your, your profit margin by $5,000. That was always, a wash. Yeah, and it'll always be what that student puts into it, just like any other, like mentor mentee mm-hmm. student teacher relationship that and I they think you have, have to qualify yeah. it yeah. like I wouldn't just accept anybody because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I don't want to work with are you starting a new business that <laughs> was happening as of right now Not no right now. yeah <laughs> but but maybe after this I mean, podcast o- yeah <laughs> you know over the years anytime I've been friends with a business owner you inevitably end up recommending or trying to help them in some capacity yeah. you know so you've like you've done these uh, kind of advisements uh, over time and so you're kind of building your silent resume, I feel mm-hmm. like, um, you know, some of which is warranted and some of which is not warranted. You know, I, I do, I am very careful these days about trying to step too far into someone else's business and, and help them, even though it's coming from a good place, mm-hmm. um, because it's their business at the end of the day. And yeah. if they didn't necessarily ask for my input, you know, I'm just trying to be helpful and that's my nature. But I can also tell we're like, leave it at that. Like, let it go, let them do their thing, you know. Yeah, for sure. Trey, how are you? How do you measure success? I mean, what? So, what is what's in it to be an entrepreneur for you? You know what? What I think is exciting about entrepreneurship is, you know, it's, it's a creative process, really. You know, I think a lot of people don't think about it that way, but you know, the world is one way, and then you start something new, and you're making your little slice of the world something different um, when you're done, right? So. That to me is what is exciting about it. Um, you know, the, I, I've seen parallels drawn between like, uh, you know, if you're very familiar with evolution and there's like a mutation, um, most of them don't work out, just like most businesses don't work mm-hmm. out. But the ones that do, they change everything, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's something I think is, is pretty cool and pretty exciting. And when you're the entrepreneur, you have the, you know, you've got the paintbrush, you've got the, uh, got the ball in your hands you can bring something new to the world you know and 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 there is uh uh, i've said a number of times i think that the bob Seger song against the wind is the entrepreneur's theme song uh, because we're all kind of running against the wind right Mm -hmm. uh you know the the you're running against the, the the statistics that say most businesses don't don't work out but that's why i think you gotta love it you gotta like feel that need to do it and you can you can run against the wind and and uh, you know and, and most entrepreneurs you try multiple things right and then eventually you find that one thing that works if right. if the statistics say that four out of five businesses are going to fail I just need to start five businesses right yeah <laughs> that, and that puts a really interesting uh, like image in my head have you guys ever played like Mario Kart or just any oh, yeah. racing game ever. Right, you get on that one course that you're not familiar with, and you're like, yeah, and you're killing it. You're beating everybody in the race, and suddenly you hit that turn you didn't know was there, and you run into the wall. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's entre- entrepreneurship in a nutshell. For you sure. don't know the roads ahead, mm-hmm. and you're inevitably going to hit this wall at some point or take a wrong turn because you have no idea what you're doing. Like, yeah, 
there's a, definitely a certain amount of resiliency that anybody who wants to start a business and pursue entrepreneurship needs to have because you're going to hit a wall. Yeah, and, and you're going to feel great right before hitting that wall, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to be just <laughs> on, on a roll, man. Top speed, you're killing it, you know, and then there's a wall and you're like, why did that happen? You hit it, you roll, you get back on the track and you start over again. You know, and, and that remember can be really that the wall is there next time you go around the track. Right, but you're going to hit a couple more turns That's where you true. don't know that, you know, like in the jungle and the Mario Kart, like there's a monkey stone coconuts at you and you didn't expect there's gonna be monkey stone coconuts on a racetrack right <laughs> but again that's entrepreneurship and i know it's a really weird analogy but it's true like you didn't realize this guy over here's gonna be throwing coconut at, at you and gonna wreck your car and that's the same thing that happens this person this thing is going to come into your business and wreck your car and you're going to have to figure out how to get back on that track and navigate around that and be more prepared for someone to throw coconuts next time right i mean and, it's just and, the and truth that is the real i think secret if there is one entrepreneurship it's like you're, you're gonna fail gonna fail multiple times through the years whether you know big ways business a business doesn't work out or small ways initiatives within your business don't work out uh, but you can always give yourself another at bat you know as long as you control your risk along the way don't mm -hmm. let yourself get knocked out of the game um, so you know for for me I, I think bring something new into the world is is what excites me about entrepreneurship I, I don't much like Matt, even though I have kids, I, I don't have any interest in handing business down to my kids or anything. I actually took over a, a family business. My dad was an entrepreneur. His dad was actually an entrepreneur, although he was in a totally different business. Um, but I've seen so many uh, owner's kids, like, just totally torpedo businesses, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and ruin businesses and ruin uh, their own livelihoods or, um, you know, so I... I don't. I, I think probably nine times out of ten, like the chances of your kid also being an entrepreneur and being a good one are probably pretty slim. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I, I just think in general that's not, you know, something that interests me either. Well, and it's almost like that preacher's kid mentality, right? Like the preacher's kid, you would expect them to be the most well behaved, and and I'm not saying about this little, uh, all preacher's kids. So the, for those of you listening, it might be <laughs> one. Like a lot of times they act out, yeah. um, and you know, I was talking with uh, someone I trained with the other day. Her, she always makes her kid go to CrossFit. You know, he seems to enjoy it sometimes, and other times it's like, eh. And she's like, when he grows up, he's either going to hate it or he's never going to leave it. Right. And, and I'm like, you know, I think the same thing, what you're, exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. Trey, is that they're either going to hate entrepreneurship and business, yeah. you know, from growing up under you in that, or they're going to love it. And so that chance is real slim, though, you know? Well, specifically, too, and I think that there's a lot, lot of assumptions made if you're building something that you hope will be multi-generational is that your child is going to want to do things yeah. the way that you want to do them, to have a career in the industry that you've built your business. I mean, if you can think about being a parent that is very passionate about um, math or mm -hmm. you know, uh, in some kind of engineering discipline, um, and then you have a child that wants to be an artist. You know, what is the likelihood that they're going to want to pursue a career in math if they really just want to paint all day? Yeah. Even if they have a business built on math, handing yeah. it over to the painter, to the artist, um, they may build their own gallery. They may be a very successful artist or painter. Um, and that really is entrepreneurship if you want to pursue the arts because you have to build your whole brand and the, just the very it's, very, it's very similar, but it doesn't mean that they can walk into that business that has been built to be handed down to them. Yeah, and you brought up two really interesting points in my mind there. And one of those is that if they're either gonna wanna do it uh, like you've always done it, right, with your same mentality and drive in mind or, 
or mindset, or they're going to want to do it in their own way, right? right. Uh, which is probably, uh, well, it can go either way. Like that could either be better or it could be a train wreck because your business is built on certain principles and operating a certain way that they want to just do just to be different, right? Right. But I, I think you also see the failure in those that try to do it the same way that because business evolves, like the world evolves. And so if they're not continually adapting with that because they're in that old mindset of 30 years ago how you started and grew this mm-hmm. thing, then it can be uh, you know, majorly unsuccessful For sure. moving forward. I think that's true with any leadership transition too. You know, like yep. if you know, you you were successful, you matter, you, any listener, right now, you are successful in selling your business, right? There's going to be new leadership, whether it's, you know, through an acquisition or because that person is now the business leader. They may decide to do things totally different. And so you need to be okay when that happens with that being a possibility, right? You've handed this over either to your child or to this next leader, and whatever happens after that, you have got to just be okay with because it's not your circus anymore. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads into our last topic for today, you know, of what that continual learning and training looks like. Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if you're not continually, you know, investing in yourself, investing in your employees, and, and looking for the, the new training techniques, or even repeating old ones, mm-hmm. um, that's where you really run into big failures too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is always something that I've been big on Uh, pretty much the entire time is training and knowledge. Mm -hmm. But I think it stems back to my old days at Best Buy where I went into the computer sales department um, as just a regular sales associate, right? We had a computer senior at the time that was like, he was pretty good and he tried to like teach some of the other guys, but then I found out like I knew a lot more than he did about computers and the ins and outs of them. So I found myself training the rest of the team and he left after a couple months and then suddenly I was the guy who knew everything and I wasn't the computer senior like I was still the same rank as everybody else but I was the one that had to teach them for the department to be successful and I did that because if I didn't management was on top of us like guys you're not performing and I'm the only one performing but I've got a team here like it's not just me and so you know teaching them about the new things that are coming along teach them about how they would qualify a customer was so important and so that kind of gave me an early education into some of training which I've I've always kind of considered that to be a strength of mine is teaching and training while also my impatience makes that not a strength of mine, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. But, you know, that's something, too, that we're, we're really investing in my business now, though, back to training again. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back, we're training on new things. We're just training on old habits, too. And just, re, you know, I guess bringing a focus back around them, uh, you know, in a sales scenario with a customer, like talking about what really matters because – I can look at these metrics all day long and all these KPIs and I can force those down someone's throat or I can lead them to the principles that actually cause those KPIs to be successful in the first place. And that's where my focus is because that's where it should be, Mm -hmm. right? I I want the customers to have a better experience and my employees to be better equipped to handle customers, which then makes those KPIs great. Yeah, your KPIs are really just the outcomes. So then is the training emphasis on culture and values and mission and a, a little bit of all of it yeah. yeah I mean we're talking about so what does that look like I mean what is the actual training that you put your employees through do you come up with it or yeah so we've got uh, you know kind of a, a three-week stance on how we do training when we bring someone new in um, and very specific topics that we cover obviously that first five days of training is where we would go through like the detailed stuff you know the point of sale the customer interaction greeting them making smoothies stocking supplies you know all of that kind of thing um, and then, of course, sales training on top of it, and then product knowledge in with that as well, because we have a pretty extensive amount of product knowledge you have to do to be to sell yeah, supplements effectively. Sure. Um, 
And so that's the part that like continually evolves over time, as well as like how to handle customer interactions and things like that. But you know, after we left that three week period, it's like, all right, they're good. They're not good. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said for years that you take a, a police officer and you put him through a six month academy and you put him out on the streets. He still has so much training left to do, but you're never That's going to... That's actually when the training starts. Right. You're never <laughs> going to be able to train him fully, yeah. all the way, 100%, before you put him on the street. Like, they're going to have to learn on the job. They're going to have to make some mistakes. And then there are going to be some new questions that arise, too. And it's not because you didn't pre-think everybody el- everything out. It's because you're going to have scenarios that require you to be in, immersed in them to be able to answer them mm-hmm. and, and teach them. Um, and just, I mean, you, you, let's be honest, like you spend, what, two years training somebody otherwise is the, is the alternative there. Right. So you spend the six months, you give them the 70% base or 80% base, and then the last 20, 30%, they learn on the fly. And that's kind of always been my mindset with training employees too until I realized like, man, we're missing the boat here. Like, what am I doing? Like, we should always be learning more things. Like, you know, and, and it took having some employees come on board that were very adamant about learning themselves and like watching them in their habits and watching them become a rock star because they're teaching themselves these things and continually learning. I'm like, why isn't everybody doing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody's built the same way. So we're not always driven to continue to learn and read and do all the things because we're maybe they're just not that invested in their job. Like they're invested in their, their college work. And then, you know, this is a 15, 20 hour thing on the side of the week. But I can still combat that with offering them training and training them while on the job. And that makes them a better employee for me. That makes them better lifelong in a skill set. And it makes it my, you know, my customer experience so much better with our customers. Mm-hmm. And so working back on that training, and even for me, like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. Do I need any more training? My immediate thought would have like, no, I'm good. Why do I not need more training? Like, I always want to get better. And right. I do, I actually do like to learn. So I like to learn new things. I like to absorb information like a sponge. And so, so what do you do to train yourself? I mean, you, other than go to CrossFit. Yes, day. yeah, other than <laughs> go to CrossFit. Every day, that's it. No, so I mean, it's it's a couple things. One is looking at other people in the space and watching what their best practices are, or learning from them. Whether that's taking up, looking at some products, looking at something they're doing. You know, I, I, I'm not out here just copying everything that everybody else is doing. But why ever re, try to reinvent the wheel when someone's got a good practice or understanding? Like, if you see them start explaining a product in a, in a quick 60 second short, you're like, well, I can do that, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I can educate my customers better. Or I can do that and educate my team, right. you know? And so when I start picking up on things like that, how everybody else is successful in training their team or educating their customers, mm-hmm. I'm like, why can't I do that? You know, and then I also look back years ago, I used to read blogs of all different kinds every day. Mm-hmm. Like it was my morning ritual to pull up, like dig.com, if you remember that back in the day, Engadget, um, Slashdot, all of these different technology blogs, and I would just read and, and app like Mac rumors and things like that, and just read different things. And I was always on the up and up. And uh, I think more recently, when I went to the Apple Store and I met an employee, much like myself, ten years, fifteen years ago, who was on the up and up on which new Intel processor was coming down the line that would likely be in their new laptops, I was like, "This is this is what I miss doing. This is what I miss being is always on the up and up for things." And I'm not even up and up on it for the supplement industry a lot of times, unless it's brought to my attention from one of the the brands that's leading edge that we work with, right? And that's where I'll, you know, I'm like, why do I not stay on the up on this? And so I'm like back immersing myself in staying on the up and up, in looking at things in the sport of CrossFit or in training, looking at things in the supplement and nutrition industry, you know, looking at diet trends that are out there and like trying to stay ahead of the curve because I'd much rather know how to answer those questions when they come about or be able to educate on them. Yeah, but so I guess 
I'll ask you this. Do you go to any like conferences or like formal trainings or make time for those things? No. I mean, other than the speaker series that we do yeah. and, and the Which different deep dives. I mean, but. You know, to me, that's, a, that's uh, it's great. But I, I still do recommend, you know, more than that and definitely going to some leadership training. You know, years ago, I did take one of my managers to see Thomas Plummer, who is a uh, kind of phenomenal leader in the fitness space. But man, he's very matter of fact, but he's just, he's got some serious experience and like knows how to communicate it down. Um, and going to that conference, though I didn't own a gym, which is his main focus, mm-hmm. it was great to just hear his mentality on the fitness space yeah. and, and the way that he cares about customers and the different things that he feels like you should care about to then care about your customers. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's just you can always learn from someone else. And so learning from others is probably my, my biggest thing. I mean, I even learn yeah. from, you know, the, the owners of my CrossFit gym. Like I watch how, you know, Jeff's a former Marine. And so he's just got this like command presence leadership mentality that's just like, I mean, super matter of fact, if you don't make a decision on what you want to put on that barbell in the next 10 seconds, he's going to make a decision for you. Like he's just, he's like that. And I'm like, but that's been great. Like those little things like that, you think it's insignificant, but then you find out like where we're trying to plan to have this podcast or where I'm going to go meet for lunch. Just make a freaking decision and roll with it. And if someone doesn't like it, then you make a different decision. But you know, so like learning that fast execution on simple things has really been helpful um, and just a, a good reminder of to implement that in how I operate, mm-hmm. you know. So I always watch other people, whether they be entrepreneurs or not, right. how they do operate and move so that I can learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm big on observing. Yeah. I think you? that's a really good idea. I heard some quote from Thomas Edison or something the other day about that all, all great business ideas are stolen ideas or something like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of truth to that, you know, like, like, and I think some people get wrapped up in this sort of, oh, we didn't come up with it here, so it's not a good idea sort of thing. But you, you really should be looking for, you shouldn't be trying to reinvent the wheel on, uh, you know, uh, something that someone else can, can show you how to do it, right, mm-hmm. uh, where you can, you can steal an idea. I like something else you said, too, where, you know, you're really focusing on sort of teaching your folks first principles that then they they could really derive the tactics from themselves, right? I mean, you're teaching the tactics too, but I, I just, I know for me, and, and, and I think most of the highest performers that I've, that I've met, that they do best if they can really understand why you're doing something, what the principles are, you know, how you got to that answer, instead of just getting a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven step mm-hmm. list, right? Um, so I, I think that's, that's really good advice too, to really focus on getting those underlying principles and those foundations there yeah you know because we can kind of get into too much idolization of kpis and all this sort of stuff metrics and stuff right that's kind of the and sometimes you just have to break it down layman's terms and i'll tell you specifically about an exercise we did the other day that i thought was great because it really just brought to everybody's realization the truth of what we're trying to get to Mm -hmm. and like so when you talk about like attaching to a sale or like adding another item on the sale you know a lot of people just think you're just trying to upsell just to make more money. But when it comes in the fact of like your health or your recovery, like you need certain things to be able to produce certain results. You know, it's not just a single item answer, much like any answer to any other problem is not ever a single item answer. And so I actually had all of my employees on the morning meeting go through an exercise where they wrote down exactly what they took on a monthly basis, how often they took it, what that looked like on the retail side. Okay. Now, Obviously, being immersed in a nutrition store and, and getting 
preferential employee pricing, they're definitely taking more than the most person, the average person would. But when they looked at that, like the number of products that they're taking and what it would cost someone on a monthly basis, and I asked them, would you recommend this to someone else? And there, it was a resounding yes. But then they see this like, this is largely different from what I'm recommending my customers. I'm mm -hmm. like, why would you recommend your customer any different than what you're doing for yourself? And they're like, I don't know, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, this, well, this is what I want to bring to your attention here. Like, it's not just about overselling a customer because I, I preach not to oversell. Mm -hmm. But, you know, why would you ever cut yourself short? You know, and it comes into a lot of times spending your own wallet is what you call it, uh, where you're, you're cutting down the dollar amount of the sale based on what you think they might want to spend. But I've always told people not to judge a book by its cover because I've had someone come in, come in literally covered in dirt, uh, looking like they were off the street, and spend $300, and I've had someone come in in a nice business suit spend 20 you know? You never judge a book there. You lead a customer to the correct solution and you let them make the buying decision. You encourage the right buying decision, you try to overcome objections for the right buying decision, but at the end of the day, you never shortcut what you recommend to them. You know, and so when they saw that like, I, all of these things are what I recommend myself, why would I do my customer any disservice by not doing the same things? It really kind of hit home for all of them to understand that. And so I thought it was a great exercise to kind of put in perspective you know. Yeah, and that also, you know, makes me think a little bit, go, even going through an exercise like that and providing training is to, you know, start with, you start with what your goal or what your mission is, right? And, and I am probably not exactly right with my understanding of what Absolute Nutrition tries to do, but you want to improve people's health and general well-being Absolutely. through nutrition, yeah. right? Um, so again, if you have your, your staff taking all of these different supplements and wanting to do the same for your customers, the community that you serve, it's almost like, you know, I think of it as like spaghetti brain. Like your mission needs to permeate every decision that you do and every action that you take. And so being able to kind of fuse people's brains with spaghetti brain, where it's like your mission is like the very base of it, but everything is connected from there and, and trying to get them to have some awareness around that and to let the mission permeate all of the recommendations that they make and all the suggestions that they make. Um, and, and training helps keep them focused on that and Matt's ongoing awareness or you know knowledge seeking of what does that recommendation need to be is gonna trickle back down to them. But so Trey, one thing I wanted to ask you is like continual learning for yourself. I mean, you are one of the most well-read guys on like management and entrepreneurship. Oh, I definitely and, agree with you that know, statement. You, you, you ran the, the Jowd blog for a, a while there. Um, you know, like my question, I guess, is how do you make time for it and, and why do you prioritize that? Well, you know, I, I, I think you, you have to prioritize it or you should prioritize it because um, you know, there's really only two things that you can, and really only really, your knowledge and skills are really the only thing you can directly control about your career, you know. Kind of a second one, you're a little bit at other people's mercy, but you can control your relationships as well. But, you know, your business outcomes can be influenced by, you know, market timing factors, it can be an and, uh, economic uh, crash, I mean, some great Silicon Valley startup could jump right into the space that you're in and disrupt you, you know, so you're, but you can 100% control, you know, what you're developing in yourself, right? And um, that learning, uh, I, I've heard a term put forward before called career equity, 
right? It's like, like the sum value of your career, you know? Like if somebody waved a magic wand today and made absolute nutrition disappear, you know, Matt's gonna be the sum of his knowledge and his relationships and he's gonna be starting over. And the same would be said of Richard Branson or whoever and, you know, because of, of where they are in their career equity, they're gonna be in a better starting place than someone starting from scratch, mm -hmm. right? E e even though their, their business is gone. So I, I think your, your knowledge is a big component of that and it compounds on itself over time. We've all seen that crazy example where you put like $1,000 in a bank account in 1950 and now you have a million dollars today. Well, that's because of compound interest, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you get 5% this year and you get 5% on the 5% next year and on and on. And, and knowledge is a lot that way. It also, I think, helps you to um, even make new connections. You know, I think a lot of us in the Urban Engine have bonded over certain books that we read and had in common and things like that. So, um, but, you know, I, I mean, I got to say, I, I, I don't. I think you, you let, it's a thing where you let time be on your side, you know what I mean? You mm -hmm. don't go out and try to read like, oh God, I gotta read like 20 books this year, or 30 books, you know, like, I, I don't read a ton of books, but I've been reading like a few books a year for a long time, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, and, and I've kind of hit a lot of the, the big ones, I guess, so, and, and I've even gone so far as to mark them up and take notes on them as I go through, mm -hmm. you know, so I tried to, it's really easy to, uh, just run through something and not really internalize it you know so um, uh, you know sometimes I'll even read something and then list it on audible or you know the audiobook version too because to me it's like the best investment you can make right like it's like 10 bucks and you're getting firsthand from somebody who's like built billion dollar businesses or has all this incredible insight right, right? it's like 10 bucks and you know seven or eight hours to read it and you know it's just incredibly valuable. I mean, I, I've probably spent I don't know a few hundred dollars on books through the years, and I, I couldn't even speculate as to what it's meant um, to me in terms of, of uh, you know income or, or net worth or anything. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things that a lot of people just don't know where to start, or you know they just there are a lot of people that just aren't interested in you know getting better. There's probably not many of our listeners because you're kind of a self-selected sample. If you're listening to this, you're probably interested in, <laughs> in self-improvement. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of people equate, you know, reading books to like uploading new software, right? Yeah. And, and, and essentially you are. You're uploading, you know, new thoughts and ideas and uh, new skills to, to your brain so that you can then practice those things. And so you're giving yourself this software update uh, to improve your talent and your actions. And I agree with you. I mean, for such a minimal monetary investment, um, it's tremendous, but I, I also side with you in the fact that you do have to kind of take it in stride because it, it's very easily, it's very easy to like get into this mindset where you're just like, I'm going to get these done, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you don't get anything out of them because you ran through it so fast, you didn't do yourself any favors. You, you wasted time, you wasted money, you know, and, and you, you, you missed out, mm -hmm. you know? And so to me, that's more tragic than, than, uh, not beginning, you know? Yeah. So I think that it is important to make sure that you absorb this material. That, that was actually where I came up with the, the name of the blog, uh, which is still there, although I haven't updated it in a while, but just a bit better every day. You know, you're a lot better off to like read one or two pages mm -hmm. every day, right? Some days you're gonna read more, but just read one or two pages every day. You'll be amazed what you get through, you know? Uh, um, you know, it's not all the days that you just read one page that kill you. It's the fact that for most of us, we'll go like 30 days and not read a bit, right? And then you read, you then you try to read for a while. 
Um, so there's nothing wrong with you know slow, steady progress, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a lot more effective than can this kind of like fits and starts of. You yeah, know. Uh, so for me, like I'll I'll admit I am not good at reading books. Like I, you know, if anything, when I was purely just working in marketing and that was my professional discipline, I would read up and analyze and try to like be on that you know cutting edge, like right on the bleeding edge of what I was supposed to be thinking about. But because it was so much easier to just really narrow the focus down, everything is new to me now. And it's very much one of those things, where do I start? What what book do I read first? What help area do I need to be exploring? Um, And it is just making a little bit of time every day. Um, A friend bought me, uh, I don't know if it's a membership or a subscription to uh, something called Read It For Me. Hmm. It's like readitfor.me. And I sent you guys a a, a post from that. But it's 10-minute recaps of books. And it's been super helpful to me to kind of get the general synopsis. It's like cliff notes that you listen to, (laughs) okay? But it's um, it's super helpful. It's been a great starting point for me in trying to make more time to get that knowledge. Um, And and, and I should say, I mean, I do do a lot of reading, but there's a ton of other ways you can keep learning, right? right? Like you can go to events like our speaker series, Mm -hmm. our deep dives, a little urban engine plug there. Uh, you can also, I mean, watch YouTube videos, yep. right, or, or, or TED Talks, or, or listen, blog listen posts. to podcasts, right. blog yeah. posts. Um, so, you know, books might not be the, the Have a conversation with somebody over coffee that's an entrepreneur. Right, that's yeah. what I was right. going to exactly. say. Like, just if, if asking for help in the area that you need help is so educational. Or just picking someone's brain. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's, if, if that's been need, a tremendous source of learning over time, too. Yeah. Some folks need more interact, interactivity, you know, than just reading a book mm-hmm. right so yeah totally go go find somebody talk to somebody folks love to folks that are in entrepreneurship love to talk about it i think we all get emails and questions from folks you know um it's uh yeah, but but yeah, don't just you know don't sit in a bubble and, and get get stagnant. Right? Yeah, and I think right. to kind of close out that topic, I'm I'm a huge believer in action breeds action. Yeah, you know, and and I've found that even reading some of these books. Uh, it's not. It's like the church scenario. Like I'm not actually developing the skills or getting the skill set from that book that I think I would get from that book, but it's sparking a different idea in my mind, or it's making me think differently about another scenario, and so I'm getting value from that as well. And so it's not just the principles in this Leaders Eat Last book that I'm getting th- that specific skill set Simon Sinek talks about, you know, but it is leading me to think about other things in my organization that I could improve on. And I, so again, that action breeds action. Like talking to someone about a topic can bring up another topic. Like just getting in that space of improvement, I think is one of the most important things because you're going to improve if you at least try to make some effort there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting is, is you, the, the more different areas that you read about, you can even read about unrelated topics, right? Science or mentioned biology, evolution earlier. The more you realize all this stuff is connected. You know, it all has similarities. And just like in our speaker series, right, we have folks from, from real estate, from tech startups, uh, from food industry, and, and you see how entrepreneurship is connected and there's common principles. So, you know, I, I think any kind of continual learning, even if it's not specifically in the field, you know, I, I think so often I, I find, uh, you know, I get, make unexpected connections. And sometimes that's where the best business ideas come from, right? Is when somebody makes this sort of synthesis of two unrelated, seemingly unrelated areas, mm-hmm. and then they mash them together, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, yeah, Uber or other high-profile companies have done, done things in that regard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, guys, we're going to wrap this up for now. Uh, thanks for listening in. I hope you got some value out of this. For, for me personally, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I just enjoy these conversations. But please listen in on our next one here, and uh, we'll join us again on the Urban Engine Podcast. See you guys. Bye, guys. Bye.